Good morning, everyone. It's Will Henry. I'm one of the field service managers, and uh, while's it, while everyone's eating, um, I've been asked to play uh, uh, a song or two on my ukulele, so hopefully I don't drive everybody out of here. So um, anyway, we're glad you're here, and um, here's, here's a couple songs on the uke. So. Christopher Robin and I walked along under branches lit up by the moon Posing our questions to Al and Dior as their days disappeared all too soon But I've wandered much further today than I should And I can't seem to find my way back to the wood Help me if you can, I've got to get back to the house at Pooh Corner by one. You'd be surprised, there's so much to be done. Count all the bees in the hive. Chase all the clouds from the sky. Back to the days of Christopher Robin and Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Doesn't know what to do Got a honey jar Stuck on his nose He and me Asking for advice And from here No one knows where he goes So I sent him To ask the owl If he's there How to loosen the jar From the nose of a bear Help me if you can I've got to get Sit pool corner by one You'd be surprised There's so much to be done Count all the bees in the hive Chase all the clouds from the sky Back to the days of Christopher Robin and Pooh It's hard to explain How a few precious things Seem to follow throughout all our lives when it's all said and done, I was watching my son sleeping there with my bear by his side. So I tucked him in, I kissed him, and as I was going, I swear that old bear whispered, boy, welcome home. Believe me, if you can, I finally come back to the house at Pooh Corner by one. What do you know? There's so much to be done. Count all the bees in the hive. Chase all the clouds from the sky. Back to the days of Christopher Robin. Back to the ways of Christopher Robin. Back to the days of Pooh. One more and then we'll get started. Who knows how long I've loved you? You know I love you still. Will I wait a lonely lifetime? If you want me to, I will. And if I ever saw you 
not catch your name But it never really mattered I will always feel the same I love you forever and forever Love you with all my heart Love you whenever we're together Love you when we're apart And when at last I find you Your song will fill the air Sing it loud so I can hear you Make it easy to be near you For the things you do and dare you to me All you know I will Love you forever and forever Love you with all my heart Love you whenever we're together Love you when we're apart Who knows how long I've loved you I love you still Will I wait a lonely lifetime If you want me to, I will If you want me to, I will Thank you. Good morning again, everybody. How about another hand for Will for this great performance? <laughs> you never know what your instructors are into uh, after hours, huh? This is great. <laughs> Will is a musician. Paolo goes hiking and God knows what else outdoors. And, you know, it would be interesting to find out what other people do, too. Um, so good morning. I'm a new staff member at GDB. My name is Rabia Dao. I was hired recently, about three months ago, probably you may see, have seen the announcement, as a director of outreach and advocacy at GDB. And I'll be telling you a little bit more about that role um, in, in a few minutes. Um, so it's my honor to be here with you today and uh, welcome you to this breakfast. Um, and get to know some of you over the next uh, day or so at least before I have to run back out to join Teresa at the NFP convention in Vegas. We have to do both, unfortunately. So um, uh, We have our booth. You probably have been there already, but um, we have our booth uh, number 47 um, in the exhibit hall, um, and you just uh, heard from Will. Will Henry is our field instructor in the community, and he covers the East Coast, uh, basically the entire East Coast for the most part, um, and he lives in Florida. So um, he's with us for, uh, for the week. Um, we have Pam with us and Jake from Outreach, um, who are around. You may have seen them as well, and you'll find them at, at the booth most of the time, too. So um, stop by if you haven't yet, say hello, and we'd like to catch up and see how things are going. Um, I thought maybe, uh, did everybody get food? All set? Great. Great. And thanks to the servers for, for their work today. You're going to gain a lot of weight by the end of this conference, folks. <laughs> Seems that all we do is eat. <laughs> um, so what I'd like to do before we, we give you the update on uh, the school is uh, Will is going to help out with passing the mic around. If you can just say your name and 
uh, where you are from. Um, that would be helpful. Um, and that will be enough for now, I think. Just your name and where you're from. If you want to say when you get your dog, uh, roughly at least a year, uh, will be helpful. Just so that people connect with who's in the room will be good. So, Will, um, go ahead and start us off, wherever you'd like. Okay, I'm going to start here with Pam. Good morning, everybody. My name is Pam Berman, and I am the Outreach Alumni Representative based in Chicago, Illinois. And I am here with Gumbo, a Golden Lab Cross. I am Rachel Dunsmore. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I am here with Walt, affectionately known as Walt Disney, and he is a yellow Labrador. <laughs> I'm Alex Dunsmore, also from Cleveland. I'm Rachel's husband. Welcome. Tom Mitchell, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, got dogs in 79, 88. When was the other one? 99 or something like that? 97? Uh, yeah, 79, 80, and 80 and 97. That must be a very old dog there, Tom. <laughs> Donnie Mitchell, Salt Lake City, Utah, and I had a dog in 1988. Hi, I'm Marilyn Kirshner. Uh, I have the little bombshell called Zest, Z-E-S-T, Zest. No, not the lemon stuff, not the bar of soap, the, the enthusiasm for life. This is the smallest physical guide dog I've ever had. She's my fifth, and she's and the largest in personality. I am now from Branson, Missouri. Come visit. You can stay up to a week in the extra bedroom. It has its own bathroom. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and I uh, used to be from Cleveland, Ohio, and then I was from Oceanside, California, and, now, and then I was from Elephant Butte, New Mexico, and now I'm from Branson, Missouri. Come okay. see me. <laughs> Life story. <laughs> okay, Clint. I'm Glenn Permar. I'm from Durham, North Carolina, and I have Wally, a yellow lab. Nice name. I'm Donna Permar from Durham, North Carolina, and I have Kyle, who's a yellow lab. He's my first yellow lab. I had a bunch of black dogs before that. <laughs> Bless you. I am Danette. Whoa. <laughs> I am Danette Dixon um, from Linwood, Washington, and I have Mr. Mayor um, since he's my fifth. Got him in 2016. Uh, president of Washington GDB alumni, and also the president of a new chapter that has recently formed GDB Razors and Handlers. Great. Wow. Nice work. Hi, I'm Nancy Pryor, and I have Yellow Lab Ventana, and I got her in 2012. Hi, I'm Deb Lewis from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm uh, Miso is my dog. I often call him Mr. Miso, and uh, he, I've been getting compliments this morning. I was complimented by 
the uh, leader dog trainer who said, this dog is great. So he is great, and I'm happy to have him. He is my eighth dog. Wow. Three fungi dogs for the blind. Awesome. My name is Deb Cook-Lewis. Deb Lewis and I get mixed up a lot with each other. We were in the same dog class, too, which really did make it kind of crazy. And uh, with Jake, as a matter of fact. So three of our class are here. I have Praline, who is a yellow lab. She's my sixth dog. And we live in Clarkston, Washington, which is really Lewiston, Idaho, because there's not much in Clarkston. <laughs> okay, Rachel. Hi, it's nice to know I have a fellow Floridian here. I didn't know Will was from Florida. I'm originally from Florida, uh, from Orlando. And I currently live in Springfield, Illinois, and I'm working with my first dog. Got her in 2013. Her name is Kiona, and it is Hawaiian for God's gracious gift, and she certainly is that. And what's your name? Kiona, K-E-O-N-A. My name. name. Yeah. Rachel Schroeder. All right. (laughs) I thought I said it. (laughs) I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) Thank you. Hi. I'm Sue Mangus from Carmichael, California, and um, I... Got my guide dog, Jenna, in 2010, but she stayed home this year. Okay. I'm Tim Spalding. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I actually have a kangaroo that poses like a black lab named May. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, uh, Melvin Smith, Kansas City, and I have Skylar. Nice name. I'm Christy Crespin. I have Caroline from Guide Dogs of the Desert, the Labradoodle, but she's going to be 11 years old in September, so you know what that means, folks. Yeah. Well, that's a nice long time, though. It's great. I'm Ed Crespin, Christy's husband. Welcome. Hi, I'm Kelly Robbins. I'm from Oxford, Massachusetts, and I am here as a volunteer with the students group. Welcome. Hello, my name is Ben Chase. I am from Boston, Massachusetts. And although I do not have a dog now, I am very interested in getting a dog from GDB. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Jake Cook. I'm the community outreach specialist with Guide Dogs for the Blind. Uh, I'm here with my guide, Forley, uh, which is uh, uh, she's named after an Italian city, a female black lab. And I'm from uh, Portland, Oregon. I work at our Oregon campus. Hi, I'm Minha, and I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm working Viva, who is seven, and she's a yellow lab from the Oregon campus. Hi, everybody. I'm Claire Stanley. I live in Washington, D.C. Um, I think I might win for most recent dog. I just got my third dog, and we graduated on June 8th. Uh, yeah. And uh, she is a, le- a yellow lab named Tulane. Hi, I'm Lindsay Tilden. I'm from San Diego, California. And uh, at home, I have an almost retired black lab guide named Valencia. I got her in 2008. So. 
Did you guys feel the earthquake in San Diego last week? No. No? That's great. Good morning. Whoa, that is loud. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Katie Frederick. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm currently working my third guide, who's a male black lab named Kenzo, and I've had him since 2015. Um, Just a quick note, I received um, my first dog on July 4th of 2001. So that was my Independence Day. Yeah. Hi, I'm Braden Dashney, and uh, I live in Portland, Oregon, and I'm working my first guide dog, Fonzie, a yellow lab, and we graduated in 2014. That's a great name. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, hi, this is Rita Dilek. I'm from Vancouver, BC, in Canada. And I have uh, Paolo, who's a yellow lab, cream-colored. He's my fourth dog, my first male. Um, And we graduated uh, May 4th of this year. So we're not quite the newest, but I thought we were, but not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm Marty Honaker, and I'm here with my husband, Larry Honaker. And uh, I just think Guide Dogs for the Blind has the most beautiful dogs. Hello, I'm Larry Honaker, and I'm here with Marty Honaker. <clears throat> and uh, my guide dog, Argos, a yellow lab, got him in uh, 2012, and so he's about eight and a half years old now. And it's too long a list for me to go into all my dogs. Uh, would be here for much too long. So that's it. Great. Hi, my name is Anka Naruka from Honolulu, Hawaii. And I'm looking to get a, uh, a dog from GDB pretty soon. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Hi, my name is Diana Leonard. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm currently in between dogs from Guide Dog Foundation, but I wanted to come and see what GDB was all about. Good. Welcome. Hello, this is Andrea Judici from Connecticut. I have Anders. You all might know him as Mr. A, who's been taking my laptop regularly and sending out announcements, <laughs> saying some pretty unflattering things about me, actually. Um, all of them, unfortunately, rather true. Uh, um, and I'm very glad to be here. He's my sixth dog, and he is a yellow Labrador, who um, I think was crossed with a polar bear. Nara Murphy from Fargo, North Dakota. My second guide is Pino Noir. <laughs> <laughs> he is a black lab male and uh, 2011 uh, second guide dog. So, and no, I do not have the Fargo accent. <laughs> Hi, thank you. Hi, I'm Penny Reader. I'm president of Guide Dog Users, and um, Rabia, thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely, um, welcome. I'm here with Willow, who is the interloper in the room because she's a German Shepherd, and she is she is ten. Thank you guys so much. This is so nice of you. Glad to you can make it today, Penny. It's great. Thank you. Is there anyone in the room that hasn't hasn't been able to introduce themselves? Um, wanted to make sure I didn't miss anyone. All right, I think we got. Will, do you want to say a word about yourself? Yes, um, uh, Will Henry. I'm the field service manager for the East Coast. So bas- basically, my zone is from Maine down to North Carolina. Thank you, and um, and also cover Florida, which is where home is now. I live in Palmetto, 
Florida, just um, south of Tampa, kind of between uh, Tampa and Sarasota. So I've been with God Dogs for uh, three years, been in the God Dog business 23 years, but I love GDB and very happy to be here. Great. Thank you, Will. Okay. Well, I guess that's a, a nice wrap-up. Sounds like we have people from all over the, the country here and Canada. That's great. Um, so a couple of things for um, updates on what's going on on campus, I guess. Um, the Puppy Center is almost done, not quite done yet in California. Uh, you probably have been hearing about it for a while now. Um, it's coming along very nicely. Hopefully it will be physically done in September. Um, and most likely will be fully operational by December or January. Can I move everything in and get it ready and um, hopefully by uh, Christmas, around Christmas time, uh, we are hoping to get it up and running um, fully. Um, there were some questions what to do with uh, the old puppy center we have on campus, and um, most likely we're going to keep it and use it for other purposes. Um, we're not going to tear it down. Um, that's still kind of uh, in, in the works right now, but most likely that's what we're going to do. So a big chunk of that campus uh, on that side is a construction site. Um, they've been very nicely um, uh, kind of... Uh, Cooperative with us, it has not interfered much with what uh, what goes on with classes and class training, and um, that that's been really great for us. We um, have had some uh, staff changes, uh, people coming, going. You know, it's always the case. I was talking with Jake this morning. Um, neither of us actually thought of getting that list. Unfortunately, uh, I don't have it, but. Um, you probably know your instructors, you'll probably be hearing about them in, in, um, in newsletters and what have you. And if you have any questions about anything, anyone specific, maybe we can get you that, uh, that information and update. Um, nothing unusual, it's just uh, normal, um, you know, people going to have babies, uh, moving away for family reasons. Um, new apprentices can become instructors in both campuses. You know, we have 72 instructors on the staff, so it's a big staff, um, and there's always people coming and going. Um, otherwise, Teresa wanted me to uh, make sure I update you on what the advocacy role is that uh, I was hired for, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, let me just uh, talk about a couple of other programs that we have um, that you may or may not be aware of. Um, so obviously you know the training, the two-week training program is going great. Uh, we have, um, actually we just have somebody right now from Hawaii on the Portland campus. I know we have somebody from Hawaii here today, but we have somebody from Hawaii in the Portland campus, I think uh, graduating, uh, is it this coming Saturday, Jake, or was it last Saturday? This coming Saturday, yeah, yeah. Um, and one person from Canada as well, actually, in the same class. We, um, 
we're also uh, quite excited about the O&M immersion program that we've been having for the last few years, and that seems to be building some steam here. Um, do people know what that program is, O&M immersion? Okay, great. We can talk about that. So. I guess over the years, um, what GDB found out is some of the people who were um, who ad applied and were not admitted to the programs was because of insufficient O&M skills. And as you know, we need O&M skills to become uh, capable, competent dog users. So. That's a, um, a concern that's been raised by all guide dog schools for years. What GDB did is they decided, well, we can do something about that. So we developed with um, Mark, who is one of our instructors, uh, Mark Gillard, a uh, program to really focus on the O of O&M, the orientation piece. And basically, it's a one-week intensive program that uh, is strictly with the cane. Uh, basically, you're just learning, you know, kind of fine-tuning your mobility skills. You, maybe that became uh, rusty over the years, or maybe they were not developed enough. Um, and it's 30 hours of O&M in one week. So it's very intensive, and many of us know what that, what that means. It's very difficult to get that many hours for O&M in a year in most places. So we're offering that program on three campuses in the state of California in collaboration with other agencies. Uh, locally, nearby us, is the Lighthouse in San Francisco. And we have a, a place north of us and one down in Los Angeles. And basically, it's uh, urban setting, rural setting, and kind of suburban setting. We have two people come at a time, and we trained instructors at those places. So you'll be assigned an instructor for the week who'll work with you all week. You'll be staying in uh, either a dorm, if they have that, depending where you stay, or in a hotel. All expenses, obviously, are covered by GDB. Um, and in some cases, people were also interested in benefiting from other services that that host agency provided. Technology, for example. They wanted to learn, you know, maybe update some technology skills. And that host agency happened to offer that. So we covered the cost of that as well during that week. So it's really quite an exciting opportunity for people to uh, obviously improve their O&M skills, their orientation skills, and get some of these things uh, on top of it as just kind of a nice topping on top. We've been doing that for a few years now. We're quite excited about it because it's starting to yield some nice successes. For those of you who are not clients at GDB right now or um, are not looking for necessarily to get a dog from us, uh, although we'd like you to, it's not a requirement. So you could apply for that program um, anyway. Okay? So uh, the, all that information is on our website, 
um, look that up, O&M Immersion Program, and um, you'll find all the information. If you need more information, um, catch up with any of us here before we leave today, or um, just call us up. Um, along that same line, what we've also been doing is Mark has been going around to different parts of the country, and Jake has assisted him in a few of those, to provide training to O&M instructors about how to get somebody ready for guide dogs. What does it mean? And as you know, not all O&M instructors are that familiar with guide dogs or uh, that comfortable talking about them. So that program is geared towards them to uh, assist them in learning more about it and, and uh, getting more comfortable with what it takes to get somebody ready for a guide dog. Um, I think our next uh, seminar coming up is going to be down in South Carolina, I believe, in uh, October. So that's an exciting uh, service we're providing right now uh, for, for the community. And I think it's, uh, I mean, personally, as somebody who um, does not have a guide dog from GDB, my guide dog is from Freedom, actually. I've um, had him uh, for about a year. Um, it's, I'm, I'm quite impressed that GDB has taken this commitment and, and stepped up to the plate to, to deal with this concern that uh, comes up quite often with guide dog um, applicants. O&M skills are not up to par. So it's great. Uh, our summer youth program just wrapped up last week. Uh, the camp, Camp GDB, very successful. We actually almost doubled the number of students we had this year. Um, and we're thinking of maybe running two sessions next year. It's that popular, actually. It's an intensive one-week program of fun and learning uh, for uh, high school age students, 14 to 19-year-olds. And we hold that up in Oregon. Jake can tell you more about it. He was actually one of the people working in it this year, so uh, you can ask him about that. That wrapped up last week, a week ago. Um, we have another program that's uh, been kind of building steam, um, and that's the Canine Buddy program. Canine Buddy, uh, this coming year, is going to be an official placement for GDB, just like Guide Dogs. And what these are, these are dogs that uh, didn't make it to, to be guide dogs, um, almost, but not quite there. Um, and we're placing them with kids who may not have had any experience with guide dogs before, or with dogs, period. Um, some of them are multiply handicapped, severely multiply handicapped. They go through the process, process of admission, and we screen the, ho the home, home life, uh, pets, children, uh, all those kind of things. Uh, and we have them uh, basically apply like any of us will apply for a guide dog. We've been placing more and more of these guide dogs. Some of them are just starting to result in kids in now grown up enough to apply for a guide dog, and others probably will never be able to do so, but it's giving them a sense of responsibility to take care of somebody else instead of being taken care of themselves all the time. 
So they're actually able to uh, feed the dog, groom the dog, uh, you know, be with the dog all the time. It's built a lot of confidence for some of these kids uh, just to have a friend with them all the time as well. So it's, it's been actually a nice program for us and we're hoping to, uh, to grow it further too. And of course, that depends on the availability of dogs. So those are some of our programs that are um, different from the traditional guide dog programs that we've been, um, that we're all familiar with here. Um, Jake, any other programs you want to mention? I, I think you covered it. Good. Pam, yeah, sure, go ahead, question. I need the mic. What breeds of dogs? Um, so the breeds that GDB has still labs, goldens, and cross of labs and goldens. Can you talk about why the cross of labs and goldens? Because I'm seeing that more and more. Well, it's a nice variety. Right? I mean, it's, it's the, the, the lab is pretty straightforward, the golden straightforward, and they're both working out okay, and we're doing more of the crosses, and they seem to be working pretty well as well. So it's just another option to have, since we have the, the other two breeds uh, right there, um, it's easy to crossbreed them, and they seem to be working okay. I can bring a mic around for any, any other questions. Hold on uh, in the back here. I'm concerned about this two-week training program. Uh -huh. uh, I've come from the old-fashioned school where we were there for 28 days or 21, whatever it Four was. Four weeks, yeah. Does, does the two-week training program really give you enough time to bond with the dog and get acquainted and trust it? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess you get your answer, huh? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think as far as the time with instructors is concerned, it's working out okay because uh, instead of working with four clients at a time, each instructor is working with two people at a time and they're able to spend more time with the clients. So the number of hours of instruction is the same, whether it's four weeks or two weeks, because the instructor is spending more time with the client. Um, just also remember that uh, along with Will, there are 11 other instructors out in the field. And if there is a need for follow-up, uh, there's always that available to the client to, uh, to tap into, uh, to work more with an instructor in the community back home. But so far, it seems that that's been very popular and seems to be working okay. Yes, Pam. So um, there, there's a lot of instructional material to read, too. We, it, it's not all... Um, showing up and working with your dog. I mean, there's stuff that you need to know. So you gotta come in well rested and in advance of coming, all of our lecture material is available online for you to look at. Because when the program was four weeks, it, it wasn't. So you would come in and you would listen to a lecture and, and hopefully you would listen. Because I will admit, I fell asleep through many a lecture. And, and many of us do. 
So you, you have the material available to you before you come to class. Not only is it online, but when you're accepted into the program, then it, you, you are, everybody at GDB is treated like an individual. So I may get it on a CD, on an SD card for my Victor stream. Somebody else may get it in text, in large print. Somebody else may get it on an SD card. But you're, you're told to listen to these lectures in advance. Then when you come into class, you go over the same material again. And then each night, you're, you're told what to highlight, what to look at. So it's really intensive, the two-week program but it really works because there's, before when it was a 28 day program, there were like 24 people in my first class. I mean, it was a huge class. Now, there's only six students in the class. So it, it, it's just a really great, cozy environment geared towards learning. I think you said it well, yeah. thank you, yeah, yeah. Did that answer your question, though? Yes, it does. Okay, great. <laughs> Other questions? Hi, this is Andrea from Connecticut. I just want to reiterate what everyone said. I was highly skeptical about this two-week thing, mm -hmm. um, and I am completely converted. Um, but I ha my question is about the, the buddy program. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to um, get clarification. So the dogs that are being placed in the buddy, that are being buddies, they're career yep. change dogs, mm -hmm. and they're not being placed as service dogs, they're being placed as pets. Exactly, they are not service dogs, okay. they, they are not protected by the ADA, they cannot go to places like, like our guide dogs, exactly, they're Perfect. more like pets. Thank yep. you so much. Yep, good question. Okay, I'm headed, headed to the back here. No questions? Okay. Yes, this is Deb Lewis. Go ahead, Deb. From Kentucky. And my question is, are the crosses, do they tend to be a little healthier or stronger? You know, uh, do they work longer or anything? I don't think that's out yet. That's, there's no we don't know that. data on it yet, no. But so far, it's looking good. Got a couple more questions here. This is Christy again. Uh -huh. In light of the dog food recalls, mm -hmm. how is GDB handling this? What foods have you been using and what changes will be made? Jake, what food is it now that you're using? Yeah, I, I can help answer this mm -hmm. question. So we're currently using uh, Natural Balance lamb and rice, or as we call it in Oregon, nibbler, N-B-L-R. <laughs> um, we're very concerned about the recalls. Um, we have fully functioning vet clinics on both of our campuses, um, so our vets are looking into this. Um, in looking at the data, what we've discovered so far is that the uh, incidence for Natural Balance dog food specifically are, are pretty low in comparison to other foods. Now having said that, we're, we're keeping a very close eye on what's going on here. Um, we are looking um, into you know, solutions uh, if need be. So know that we're, we're very active in this and we're doing our best 
um, to keep abreast of, of the developing um, information on the subject. Hi, this is Bin Ha. Um, I actually have a question for you as the new director of outreach. Mm -hmm. So as my fellow East Coast grads know, there's not a lot of us in the East Coast area as there is in um, you know, the Western part of the country mm -hmm. and other areas. And um, I was wondering if there's any plans to kind of change that and I guess um, I just want to encourage GDB to try to do more outreach in the East Coast area. Um, I know there's, you know, a large concentrations of other guide dog programs out there. Um, but I love GDB, and I always tell all my friends to check GDB out. And I think it would be really great if there could be more efforts focused um, sure. in the East Coast yeah. area. No, I mean, we're, we're interested if there is, uh, maybe you can talk afterward uh, if you want to help out with that effort. That would be great, sure, yeah. I would, I would second her comments. I would love to see more, more folks interested in GDB, and, and I think the best way to do that, um, there's, there's many ways, but a lot of times it's word of mouth by people that have gotten their dogs and been happy, so, you know, talk talk us up and and you know I think that we're the only only school that helps as as much um, or, or helps more than others as far as the financial assistance for vet care and um, I think the follow-up that we provide is is you know um, is some of the best out there where many many schools have made the decision to you know uh, get rid of field departments and and not visit as much i think gdb has has um you know i was part of them hiring two more fields field service managers but um so you know let your friends um you know know tell them about the program your experiences that you've had and i think that helps a lot so and Any we, other we, questions? We'll be, we'll be in touch with, with everybody as, as time goes on as we try to kind of gear up some of our outreach efforts, so uh, actually all across the country. So we'll let you know. Anyone else have any questions? Okay. Hold on so, just a second. Oh, there's one more? Okay. Just want to take a couple minutes to talk about advocacy as well before we wrap this up. I this just morning. had an additional question about the uh, dog companion thought, and uh -huh. that is that um, I, um, I'm retired now, but I worked with seniors <clears throat> most of my career, and one of the things that happens, you know, as people age is that they've had a guide dog forever, but gradually some of their travel needs really, really change sufficiently that maybe the schools, and, and it's consistent with all of the schools, uh -huh. are kind of deciding that I mean, although these people are still out and about, they're not traveling as independently or they're mm -hmm. not doing mm -hmm. all that. And I guess I would, one of the things that would probably be really helpful is if we could consider having the companion dogs, again, not as working dogs, but mm -hmm. as um, companion dogs for some of these people in the transition who've had guide dogs for maybe 30, 40, 50 years and now are not going to, but are going to really be missing that piece of it and um I'd, oh, you I'd, must be listening to some uh, some management meetings oh or good because i really feel very strongly about yeah. this i i think that transition for people it's very hard to have a school tell you you can't get right, another dog right no and, we, we are we yeah. are absolutely okay good that. because yeah, i just yeah. i just see that as huge sure no that's well well, well said yeah you're right you're right 
No, that, that we've been talking about that actually. Yeah, it's under consideration. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. So, just a couple words about the advocacy role here. Um, so, as you know, this is new at GDB. They have not had this position before. Um, officially anyway. We've had many staff members and obviously many of you around the room uh, advocate in your own ways um, when the need comes up, but nothing structured as part of the organizational efforts. Um, advocacy is a, is a big word. It can go in so many directions. Um, obviously, many of us come across concerns and issues, barriers, on daily basis that we need to, to resolve and sometimes they could drive us crazy and we need to uh, figure out how to um, educate the public and seek some support um, to advocate for our own personal needs as well as the community at large. That's a big advocacy role for all of us. GDB is not gonna be involved in litigations. The advocacy for them is not really a matter of how to fight somebody in a legal kind of uh, uh, court case or a, a lawsuit of, of that kind. We're more interested in empowering the clients with resources, educating them upfront about the, the laws, the regulations, and then supporting them just like we support the clients in many other ways after graduation with uh, guidance. We don't have attorneys on the staff that's gonna be um, addressing those issues. However, we are working currently on developing a, um, an advisory board of uh, attorneys that will advise us on some of those things. The other part of advocacy, obviously, is getting involved with um, governments, both uh, national and state and local governments. Um, we've been supportive in Canada with some of the stuff that's what's going on there last year, trying to put guide dogs under the kind of regulations of the forestry department, which was not going to work out. And I congratulate our, our Canadian uh, friends by just to defeating this whole process and putting it to rest, at least for now. Um, but you know, there are other ones across the country. Um, as you know, fake service animals are becoming a massive headache and growing one. Um, and there are many more of them than there are of us. So uh, there are increasingly um, frustrated business owners um, who are complaining to the government officials on local level, state level, and federal level about service animals and they're lumping us all together um, to the point where there was a pretty, um, well, scary situation in Arizona when they were about to basically really put a lot of limits on access for all of us. And luckily that was blocked off again. Um, you know, recently in Oregon, they, some 
legislator heard from a, somebody in the community frustrated with, with service animals and they wanted to pass some law and you know we, we stepped in and talked with them and, and kind of uh, avoided that headache. You know, those things are gonna come up, they're popping up like popcorn everywhere. And we need to be on top of it. By we, I mean all of us. If you hear of a situation like that in your community where they are considering changing any kind of law or adapting it, regulations, any of that stuff, let us know so we can help with that advocacy at that level. And that's really more like lobbying in a way. Although we're not lobbying for GDB, we want to make sure that the, the existing laws are um, respected and followed by everybody. And that obviously includes the ADA, but includes things like transportation, be it Uber or on a plane, and um, you know all kind of access to hospitality and, and medical uh, education sectors, all of those sectors. Um, we're also working on the industry side. So Jake, for example, is on an advisory board for Alaska Airlines, which is great. And we need to do more of that. And I would encourage all of you, if you have any connections with any industries like that, or if you're interested, to let me know. And we'll be uh, happy to work with you to get you involved in some advisory boards just to advise those folks um, that we are here and we do matter and uh, we have not, we were not born last night. <laughs> you know, this is not like somebody who says, I have an emotional support animal and this is it. You know, we've been around for decades. And I'm not sure if you know this, but guide dogs officially started, not GDB, but guide dogs in general in the 1920s and the white cane was invented after World War II in the 40s. So we, we actually come before the white cane by a good 20, 30 years. So it's been around for a long time. And you know, that experience should count for something, and we need to reinforce it. So the more voices we have uh, on the ground in your local communities, the, the better we all are. And we need to educate everybody on, on, at that level. So we are looking at getting involved with industries, for that matter. And also with um, research for the future. A uh, bunch of us were involved in research last week in San Francisco where they wanted to put a bike lane on the sidewalk and they want to put some kind of a, uh, a divider between the two that will be uh, de detectable by people who are blind. And obviously they looked into the canes, but they also contacted guide dogs to uh, make sure that guide dog users can also pick up that divider there between the sidewalk and the bike lane. It can be quite scary. Uh, so it's good that they're actually including us in that. We need to be even more involved in those kind of things. Uh, and I mean at the ground level, we really should be involved right from the conception of, of, of ideas and technology like the scooters right now that are, so those of you from San Diego, I heard somebody from San Diego, you know, there's a big headache with electric scooters <laughs> all over the place, and they can, you know, come by very quickly, and they're scary, you don't hear them. Um, so those of you who um, don't have them yet, watch out, they're coming. 
Okay? And uh, what we need to do is to get involved with your city planners. Um, you know, we're going to be having a couple sessions in the Alumni Association meeting later on this fall on that. And, you know, we're, I was joking with somebody who was a researcher who may be presenting there, and she said, let's call the session taking your city planner to lunch. You know, because you really need to, they need to know we're there. Most of them don't even know. We need to be more visible. And if we in this room are not visible, who do you expect in the blindness community where you live to be speaking for you? Think about it. Most blind people are senior citizens, multiply disabled, uh, you know, just age-related stuff that are not going to be as mobile and as, as you all are here and as able to get involved in those things as you would be. So, um, you know, I always say with rights come responsibilities. And we have to step up to the plate and do our part. Because um, if we don't do it, who are we expecting to do it for us? So I encourage you to go back home and look at your city hall, town hall, the council, um, find out if they have an ADA accessible uh, committee of some sort. I can tell you at in San Rafael, right where Guide Dogs for the Blind is, there is an ADA access committee, but it only came to existence after the city was sued by the feds. And they usually, that's usually because of wheelchairs for the most part, because of ramps, <laughs> which was the case. And once they met that bare minimum requirement, they went dormant. And I was just looking into it since I joined GDB three months ago, only to find out this committee hasn't met since late 2017. That's not acceptable. It's, it's not acceptable. You know, there are disabled people in every one of our community, not just blind and visually impaired. And we, we need to be more active. So I'm pushing for them to reactivate it, and hopefully we, we will soon. Um, and I urge all of you to look into your hometown. Uh, you know, even as taxpayers, you don't want to wait until you get sued and uh, end up paying a lot of money um, for something that can be avoidable and some forethought uh, that can be beneficial and frankly can avoid injury to members of your community and maybe your own family, if not yourself. Um, so I hope you get involved in those. We will be talking more about advocacy as time goes on. Um, and if you have any ideas for us to help us kind of guide this process, it's brand new. Um, and we're still trying to kind of figure out where to put our resources. Uh, please let us know. Let me know or find out somebody at GDB who can put you in touch with me. Uh, my email is rdowrdow at guidedogs.com. Um, and hopefully, I'll be hearing from some of you. Any questions about advocacy? Hi, this is Claire. Um, this isn't a question, but it's a comment or a point. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I work in the national office. I'm our advocacy and outreach specialist, and we've been really fortunate to work with Rabia already. Um, so we have a great open communication between our office uh, in DC and GDB. So please feel free. Do you want to say what do you mean by our office? They may not know who you're with. 
<laughs> yes, um, I work for the National uh, AD, uh, ACB office, excuse right. me. Thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I work for ACB, and yeah. we have a great relationship developing already with the Revia. So you can also contact us at the National ACB office, and we can get in contact with the Revia and vice versa. So right. please feel free to reach out to us as well, and we have an open conversation going. So we're very fortunate to have that. Thank you, Claire. Yeah, ditto. Hi, I just want to add to what Claire had to say. Um, GDUI has an advocacy committee. Uh, we welcome anyone's participa participation on that committee. They meet once a month every, uh, I think Charlie does it on the last Monday of the month. Um, and we uh, get involved with advocacy as well. I know last year when the California wildfires were raging, uh, we helped someone who was denied um, service at a motel because his house was being burned up and he had no place to go. And the motel owner wouldn't let him in with his guide dog. So um, we're there for you. And all you have to do is call our, um, our uh, toll-free number and we will get you in touch with Charlie Crawford. And really, who could be better than Charlie Crawford to help with your advocacy? <laughs> so, thank you so much. Great, thank you. Any other questions? Or comments. Thank you for working. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, Will is going to take a couple pictures, just not a picture of the group, so you know you don't have to pose for it. Just uh, carry on. <laughs> that would be great. So thank you everybody again for uh, joining us this morning, and um, I hope to. Uh, come across you, you know, often, um, hopefully in the near future. Thank you. All right, thanks for coming, everyone, and have a great, great rest of the conference.